to Ascension Workers Live. I'm Mike Wiskoski, and I'm glad to have you guys joining us. And uh, I want to give a brief overview of what I'm intending to accomplish with this series. And also, um, I'm inviting more of the community now. You can join in and um, chat. Right now, this is a webinar. It's not a regular Zoom meeting, so you can chat in the, in, the, in the chat box. And there is a potential, though, with the Zoom webinar for me to bring in people into the, um, to be what's called a panelist in this meeting format, so you can join in the discussions. And that is something that I'm I'm hoping to do uh, gradually, um, based on well, how, how things are going. And also the series, I'm hoping to bring in a lot of interview subjects, a lot of people who could um, potentially share a lot about their service in the community. And that's kind of the the aim I'm going in is with the ascension work. What is it that we're really achieving? What is it we're really trying to do with the, the actual work of ascension? It's not just a process that happens automatically. Um, as Corey Good keeps emphasizing, this is a process that requires us to actually um, make make a change ourselves. In order to help help change the planet, help improve the planet to the point where the consciousness is ready for the great the great new cycle, the, the ending of this cycle, and an appropriate beginning of the next cycle, which Ra speaks of a lot in the raw contact, um, as the harvest, as the process when the souls that are learning to choose between surface of self and service to others step out of the sinkhole of indifference, and they make that choice to serve others or to serve the self in in such a degree. That, that they become open to the understandings of light, which are the pre-requirements pre for the fourth density consciousness, which Earth is spiraling um, into right now in the, in the galactic stage. As, as, the, as the energies come into the planet, they, they basically affect our consciousness such that it forces us to um, take on more light and take on more conscious awareness, to more, a more dense consciousness, which allows us to see what it is that we haven't been looking at in our lives to see what it is that is holding us back. And then we have to make an analysis and a choice around these things that are holding us back from essentially collectively, individually and collectively evolving as a planet to a planet which is capable of at the very least uh, having everyone li live in harmony because we we have collectively chosen that, that kind of a, a reality for ourselves. Um, I was thinking of starting out with a... Um, that's pretty fun. I can slide back and forth. I was going to start out with a, a passage from the raw contact to kind of uh, kickstart the energy for these meetings. Um, and I don't really intend to have any anyone to interview today uh, is the first meeting. I thought I would just share some of my philosophy and outlook for what I would like to do with this series. Um, can everyone hear me? Okay. Looks like everything's going okay. So I guess to get started. So uh, in session, 17 question 30 um don elkins asked if an entity wants to learn ways of it if it wants to learn be of service to others rather than service to self while he is in third density are the best ways of being of service to others or is any way just as good as any other way and ra said the best way to be of service to others has been explicitly covered in previous material we iterate briefly the best way of service to others is the constant attempt to seek to share the love of the creator as it is known to the inner self. This involves self-knowledge and the ability to open the self to the other self without hesitation. I'm going to break this down a little more after I read the whole thing. 
This involves, shall we say, radiating that which is the essence or the heart of the mind-body-spirit complex, which is what they refer to as an individual, as a mind-body-spirit complex. Speaking to the intention of your question, the best way for each seeker in third density to be of service to others is unique to that mind-body-spirit complex. This means that the mind-body-spirit complex must then seek within itself the intelligence of its own discernment as to the way it may best serve other selves. This will be different for each. There is no best. There is no generalization. Nothing is known. And this is this is the kind of the point of third density consciousness. When we have a veil over our awareness, we don't really have uh, everything put out in an easy way for us to understand and discern what it is we're trying to do and um, what it is that the best choices we can make would be. Um, let's see if I can get rid of that there. Get rid of the little blip on my shirt. Um, but the the ultimate goal of third density is to um, have have a lack of awareness that causes us to reach out and begin the seeking process. Um, it's through the lack of of knowing that we have a desire to know that which is unknown, and that's that's the process of seeking. Um, and it's interesting that this starts out here with the best way of service to others is the constant attempt to seek. And I could, I could, you could, we could break this whole thing down word by word and, and get a different kind of lesson out of this whole sentence here. Um, but you could start with the word constant. You know, um, are we able to do anything constantly? Um, it takes so much discipline. And this is why I think the disciplines of the personality and discipline in general is such a strongly emphasized um, principle in the, in, the, in the raw contact books. The willpower is connected to discipline. Strengthening the will can relate to um, being able to practice and, and, and be able to hold images in the mind. You have to be able to be disciplined about holding true to something that's going on in your mind rather than letting your mind wander constantly. And this, I think this might even be um, you know, an interaction between the body and the mind where the body has to be in a state of balance. The body has to be sort of capable of staying energized and um, alert and aware in order to be a useful vehicle for the mind and be it be the proper extension of the mind which Edgar Casey called the builder the mind is the one who's doing the building and then the body is like an extension of that building as far as I can tell and then the building can extend further out into creation um, but but the mind has to be kind of kept in in check with a constant attempt to seek and seeking you know it, it takes on a negative connotation sometimes when people think that um, our, our goal is to kind of release ourselves from attachments and seeking is usually related to um, being caught up in attachments and wanting to pursue something that we kind of can't get out of our um, out of our system that we that we need to pursue and Ra actually encourages that in another session as well mm -hmm. to pursue all things desired and distill the love and light that are that are found in those things um, and if and if and it's an infringement of the free will of others to to pursue that desire then you you exercise imagination the mind contains all things and the mind is capable of seeing both sides of every kind of imbalance without us having to act externally but to get to the point of forgiveness sometimes does does require a little bit of extra emphasis from the physical universe as as we're we're given the catalyst necessary through our programming of our lifetimes um, that, that began before we were born this programming is putting us on the pathway of having certain experiences in the physical illusion which will trigger our mind to become aware of the things that we we need to be forgiving of people who who, who, who reflect us who are us who show us the aspect of ourselves 
that we hadn't recognized yet. There's so, we are infinite in our nature, so it makes sense that we're in an infinite physical universe where we have infinite aspects of our nature to discover and put into our awareness so that if there's any imbalance there, we can forgive, heal, and move on and, and move beyond to pursue the the next aspect of our of our beingness, which is um uh you know just a pathway back to infinity, from infinity to infinity, back to God or the one infinite creator. So the best way of service is to the constant attempt to seek. But what are we seeking? We seek to share the love of the creator as it is known to the inner self. So we seek to share love and it's interesting, Ra also talks about service to self-polarity. Negative entities have uh, essentially a desire to seek to share their understanding of love, but it's a love of self. It's the idea that you shouldn't love anything but me as the, as the negative entity's um, perspective. And, and and that's interpreted as you know narcissism and um, psychopaths can have, have a lot of uh, imbalanced ways of viewing things because they twist it all back to um, how great they are and, and and that's that's basically like a love of self that's a teaching that they're trying to offer um and so um ross says there's great danger in building up of a personality of any kind because of the fact that you know, you can a person who's trying to, to build up a personality that would seem to be a separate entity um you, you're building up this nature of this mind body spirit complex identification process um you have to be careful to choose the way in which you're you're using it and you're you're allowing these personality manifestations to to surface to to constantly seek to use those for the purpose of service to, to self to, or service to other self based on your chosen polarity service to other self being the one that is um most most crucial for for us at this time service to others so the best way of service to others is the constant attempt to seek to share the love of the creator and the love of the creator is, is an abstract principle as well because of the fact that um where what is the love of the creator where is that coming from are we the creator is the love of the creator coming from our hearts is do we see the love of the creator in our hearts or have we not found that yet within us so finding the nature of the love of the creator is is a part of this process and finding the nature of the love of the creator as being this unconditional infinite loving consciousness finding that within yourself will allow you to see the love of the creator is just an aspect of yourself that you can tap into more and more in a more pure purified sense and that's why i think they, they you know they hold us the best way the best way is to become the creator to share the love of the creator as it is known to the inner self so wherever we're at in our process of recognizing identifying that love um that's that's what they're talking about when they say um you know the mind mind body spirit complex must then seek within itself the intelligence of its own discernment as to the way it may best serve other selves so if if you know that love involves um you know making food for other people or or um helping people who are in need then um your your your, your intellect is going to be playing a dance with your heart so that you can you can continuously become more and more able to share the undiluted pure radiating love of the creator as is known to inner self and this involves self-knowledge um kind of what i'm talking about here what what am i actually capable of doing uh in service to others and and where are my blockages and and how much have i stumbled and gotten distracted 
you know, all, all the aspects of uh, the disciplines of the personality, know yourself, accept yourself, become the creator. All these aspects are rolled up in that um, self-knowledge um, as the starting point. Uh, self-knowledge and the ability to open the self to other self without hesitation. And this is also kind of like um, clearing of blockages because when you have a hesitation, it's like you're blocking the energy that is seeking to become manifest through your physical vehicle. And so the opening of self can be, um, you know, and we can have fears that are of the mind complex too that block us from opening without hesitation. Um, and and so, so the, the process of knowing the self and accepting the self seems to be also a process of becoming the creator because as we as we understand each blockage and we we identify what we have to deal with to break through our blockages then that actually starts to open up the once you have the heart open you're working with the green ray and then you start opening the blue ray which is the 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 energy center of the chakra system of of um expressing yourself without any hesitation without any any fears um freely and fully powered by the heart in a fully loving manner um, and I guess it's a little bit ambiguous in the raw contact if negative entities are using the, um, the Blu-ray center. There's some quotes seem to, um, discuss that differently, but the, the Blu-ray center is, um, usually I think, um, being misused by, by negative entities, by the, by the solar plexus energy center, uh, energies becoming very strong as the, as the energies of our, of our kind of egoic personality that we that we that we understand is benefiting us in our operations in the society around us as we build up that fuel system then then we can say okay i think um it's to, to my advantage to use certain communication processes um and and they may not be coming from the heart um but it could be that maybe the person who originally um shared that style of communication was coming from the heart and then they taught the negative entity. Um, this is how you get get further in the society is that you express yourself in this loving manner. And then the person can use that to their advantage um, and, and mimicking people who have gained favor in a particular communication style. And that's how I think the Blu-ray is used for negative purposes. But um, I think there's actually a strong sensation uh, that you can feel when you're when you're starting to open up um, your Blu-ray centers and, and sharing in that in that um, open-hearted and without hesitation manner. It's almost like every time you open up uh, completely without hesitation, you're you're talking to one person, you're talking to God, and you don't have to judge the other person and what they're ready to hear. Although you may be considering what they're what they're capable of hearing and focusing your communication around what they're capable of hearing. And I think that's why Jesus spoke in parables. You know, he's he's recognizing that that to share um, without hesitation, he had to he had to share in the way that people were capable of receiving um, with their belief systems um, not being too infringed upon and giving them that free will to, to, to believe what they want to believe while still teaching as much truth as he, as he possibly could that would, that would benefit them. Um, so this involves, shall we say, radiating. Um, and that's, that's a word that's used specifically relating to the blue center also in raw contact. Radiating that which is the essence or the heart of the mind-body-spirit complex. And so the essence or the heart, um, this is kind of distilling our identity back into one, one thing. Um, and I think that this is also connected to the perceptions 
what what Ra refers to as the seeing in terms of the sacramental nature of each experience. As we as we build ourselves a little bit past the um, the, the belief that that the situations in our life don't have any value or purpose, we can start to enhance our awareness of how important every moment is and see the sacramental nature of each experience, see how pure and divine and holy the opportunity of each moment is. And that begins to reveal what is the essence or heart, I think. What what, what is the heart of, of, of what we are offering uh, on the table right now in physical incarnation? What is what is the essence of this offering of service to others that we're they were that we're allowing our, our incarnational vehicle to be used for at this time. Um, so that was kind of a, a lot of words um, to cover a small number of words. Um, let me see if I can look at the chat here, see what people are saying. I was asking if I'll do this webinar every month at the same time. Um, I'm I'm actually open to doing more uh, per month, and I'm thinking second Saturdays at around noon works well for people who are uh, in Europe. So I'm thinking there's probably a good time to keep doing it. Um, Todd says, I understand instant manifestation can occur if we are able to hold a, a, a thought on what is wanted for 45 minutes as it will appear before you. Not easy thing to do. And yeah, I, I agree that if you have a completely pure um, focus, focused intention, that's, um, I think that's a process of integrating your consciousness no, with, with, with everything that is related to that thought. Um, so I think sometimes the blockage, so for example, I think prayer and, and, and visualization can, can share a lot of common ground. And when, um, when people are praying, they very often see something is wrong in the universe. And I feel like the, the you know, the Course in Miracles, um, uh, channeler, um, had a had a pamphlet called the ladder of prayer where it was described that basically um prayer is a concept that starts with feeling that there's something that needs to change to uh, to to the level of consciousness of god which is the awareness that that all is perfect and all is divine and holy and then it becomes a song it becomes just a singing of a song from the creator to the creation in in exchange and that's that's the powerful level of manifestation the way i see it is that once the once the highest level of awareness is achieved, then then it's like God manifests that which God desires instantaneously as that as that awareness is is is, is brought into reality through it being a process of exchange of giving up that which was no longer needed in our awareness in our karmic cycle to take on the infinite intelligence. This is what Ra calls intelligent infinity. Also, it's taking on infinite intelligence as a way of instantly manifesting, instantly creating. They said, um, they said we can walk the universe with unfettered tread as though uh, when we're in that state fully, it's like you can um, teleport your body. You can um, you can do anything that is not infringing on the free will of others, which is a part of the creator's plan because the creator is choosing out of free will to have all these experiences simultaneously. Um, thank you guys for sharing. Um, so yeah, I didn't really have a, a long, um, talk planned, although I wanted to cover, uh, a couple of points that I think are kind of in this, in this first, um, session where I'm just kind of, uh, I'm kind of 
laying the, the groundwork for for a vision uh, a journey that I want to go on with you guys. I want to I want to discover what are the ways that we can be of service to others and, and, and be more disciplined in becoming of service to others and benefiting the transmutation of consciousness on earth at this time to fourth density consciousness. We, you know, how, how can we do this and who can we learn from and how can we work together and what are all the all the things we need to be aware of? And I'm going to be learning um, through other people alongside of you guys. And I think that setting the context of what we're doing and why is 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 why i want to have the stream um today discussing a few other items such as um what's really going on 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 planet at this time with um, people kind of going crazy um here we have another chat from ivan says i had a much greater ability to focus visualize before a negative entity starts to make its way into my energy structure. Little by little, I have been able to remove this entity over many years. Now I am regaining the use of my faculties. I have not been able to astral project for some time now due to this. Any recommendations to regain full, regain control of my full faculties? Um, well, I, I will say that um, there are several things that, that can um, create a much greater level of spiritual balance and um one of the things that helped me a lot was um meditating in a pyramid um and there are several ways to create a meditation pyramid out of wood or, or copper pipes um that's kind of a whole other discussion but but i feel like um I, I felt like I, I became more aware of the ways in which I was being messed with by entities when I was in meditating in pyramids. And it's almost like it's a barrier. And and then it's almost like it, I, I felt like I could shake myself more free and kind of become myself again more in, uh, in, in meditating in pyramids. And also crystals have helped me. And it's, it's a similar principle, honestly. I mean, you're focusing consciousness in some way. So if you're working with crystals and and... It's, it can be very difficult to know the right way to work with crystals, but I think that um, the, the goal here is to, to understand that, that you have the power to use your environment to boost your ability to sustain certain kinds of consciousness that you're seeking to sustain. So when you temporarily go into a state that's elevated, you can charge a crystal and you can keep that near your, keep wear it on your body, and you can maintain maintain a relationship with these aspects of what what raw calls frozen light and um i feel like the the pyramid might be um a combination of frozen light with more fluid light that's being funneled up into the center so um i think there are, and this is sometimes people would call this prana and uh, you know there's a lot there's lots of different devices out that people use also for for funneling prana and food is obviously the number one way that we are uh taking on energies mm -hmm. And so making sure you're experimenting, if you haven't experimented with eating a lot of leafy greens, like like super high raw food, a lot of vegetables and fruits kind of diet um, for a while, or fasting. Fasting and then doing a lot of vegetables can can kind of like clean you up from the, the, the more dense aspects of your physical vehicle that have been attracted to certain, um, I guess, consciousness distortions. So, 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 you know, we're carrying a lot in our bodies that we're not consciously aware of. And that's why fasting kind of is a process of letting our bodies kind of clean up those, those lower elements. Cause when you're fasting, it's almost like your body says, 
I need to I need to clear out some of this junk in here, figure out what food I can take from back from the body. And so so your body naturally has this process of of just going into cleaning mode and it just starts cleaning everything up uh, if you don't eat for you know if you don't eat food for a day. So so fasting is another huge uh, recommendation I give. Um, I hope that answers the question somewhat. Uh, Todd asks, or yeah, Todd says, via the cycle of, of uh, density movement, I would imagine that we have done this many times before. So we have done this many times, that being moving from first density to source, then start again on another time and place or dimension, different type of existence. Are we now given the time we have left before the solar event, moving into unity consciousness, given it does seem media events to view personal events, people can hide secrets. Okay, so um, first question you seem to be asking here is with the um, existence of previous universes, basically, or, or previous previous realities. And it's so fascinating to me that Ra does speak about the existence of a previous universe that, that led to an awareness of this universe. It doesn't seem like it's just happening the same way, though. It seems like there's like this universe is almost like exponentially more profound and complicated with how much is how much we're capable of, of experiencing. Experience didn't even exist, apparently. The archetype of experience didn't even exist in the previous universe. They had the archetype of the mover and the moved and the significator. So there was some kind of significance to the moving and the movement. And and those those three aspects were also split across male, male, female and male and mind, body, and spirit. And between, between these different dances, they were able to um, go through the entire, uh, I assume, kind of eight densities of evolution um, the octave, they call it an octave before this octave occurred. Um, and then I think the second question, I think that's the kind of thing I'll get, I'll get, I'll get into later. It'd be good to talk about what's going on on the planet a little bit. Um, Carrie says, do you agree it would be safer to meditate in a cone shaped as opposed to pyramid pyramid in order to avoid activating the King's Queen's chamber? Okay, so so this is something Ra specifically discussed is being more related to the um, the angle that the pyramid is constructed with rather than the fact that it's a pyramid. Um, so cone shape, um, I don't know if there is any science done on cone shapes like there was done for um, pyramid shapes in in like in the Russian pyramid experiments. Um, but there are specific pyramid angles which are steeper which don't have the effects that Ra discusses could be dangerous in the um, in Egyptian pyramid um, ratios. So I, I do actually have both kinds of pyramids. I have one inside of the other in my backyard, the Egyptian pyramid, and then, and then a more steep pyramid inside of that. And I feel like they both do different things a little bit. And um, I, I haven't found much danger in the use of the Egyptian pyramid um but i feel that it, it is definitely a different energy and it's more of a calming kind of energy i think in the steeper um steeper shapes um I, it's so hard to put it it's so hard to explain to somebody who hasn't experienced it what what this is that that it that it's doing when you and, and a lot of people sit in the pyramid they have no experience so i but but it is important to have, have one side facing north um, uh, in order to have the stronger energies uh, or 20 degrees east of north for more sensitive people 
who think the, the 20 degrees or the straight straight north is too strong. Carl Ruckert, they said to have her head facing 20 degrees east and north when she was doing the channeling sessions because of the, the new earth energies coming from that, which I believe is you know how the earth is going to tilt um after the solar event happens. I don't know if I'm missing anything here. Um Todd asked, I find it interesting that it seems those we call elites who can presume our we presume our service to self to live in beautiful places attracted to it. Does that speak to who they are or could they flip to service to others? I think they absolutely could flip to service to others <clears throat> and <clears throat> being in, in better environments. This is actually specifically discussed. <clears throat> I'm going to get a water here. Well, in the, in the rock, rock contact, they said the more a being polarizes along either polarity, service to others, service to self, the more easy it is to flip polarities because the more power and awareness the entity has gained. So you can use your power to shift your consciousness faster once you once you make a new free will choice to pursue a particular path. And it's easier in third density to flip polarities than in any other density because of the veil allowing us to sort of reform you have we, we're working with a small amount of consciousness and it's easy to re reshape it more quickly i think and and the higher level of light you're working with the more you can see the other puzzle pieces on the great stage and so i'm certainly hoping that many people come to the light and um it could be a very dramatic and very exciting finish to the cycle when we see um, people coming out and sort of being the light in positions where um, they weren't previously, and we have we still have free will collectively, and hopefully, you know, um, we can we can inspire people. And that's my goal is to inspire people with this platform. They can they can honor the words of Ra. They can become as service to others as possible at this time, and not not care about themselves as much. They can just they can just use every they can they can sell all that they have <laughs> and give it to the poor in a manner which which could relate to free energy technology. <laughs> There's so many different things that could be done on this planet. Um, with with what we know about already being being real that that was just being held back, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see some revolutions in consciousness happening that that were not expected. So um, I could take a break from the questions right now and go into, um, you know, what what is it that we that we're actually trying to do here um on the planet and and why and i think that we're in a situation where we we have a lot of people who are zombies who are um sort of unaware that there is a, a spiritual path that they're on and this is kind of i don't know if this is just obvious but this is this is kind of like what you get when you're watching tv you get you get a lot of random noise um and there's there's not a lot of coherence that a person would say, ah, yes, I remember now what I'm supposed to be doing. But people are, are being using the television or using media to remember that, oh yeah, I have to go watch the next show now. <laughs> I have to go consume the next product. I have to, I have to wait for that movie to come out. I have to go watch that movie. And there's all these different um, ways that we are, are distracting ourselves and this is just even just in the West, and and it's possible that I I don't have enough experience with uh, 
third world countries to see how awakening, how much they're awakening. But I think that there are so many struggles. There's so much suffering because of the lack of resources being being made available to to general the general public because of the fact that everything is kind of structured in a way now around enslavement and it's not it doesn't even look like enslavement and i feel like that's 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 important enough that i should pull up the love one quote on enslavement um so i will switch back to my screen here So Ross, uh, Don Elkins asked, um, you say there are no cases where those who are service to others oriented are using in any way techniques of enslavement that have grown as a result of the evolution of our social structures. Is that what you mean? And this was misunderstanding. Uh, Ross said, it was our understanding that your query concerned the conditions before the veiling of this previous um, one about the Orion group enslaving humanity. Um, so before the veiling, there was no unconscious slavery, as you call this condition. So earlier in the history of the galaxy, there was no enslavement. When people didn't have the veil on their awareness, they saw each other as one, and there was no um, desire to, um, it'd, be, it'd be like trying to cut off a finger. It's like, why would I try to cut off a finger to use my finger differently? My finger's already being used properly in the, in the manner in which I have placed it. Um, at the present space-time, the condition of well-meant and unintentional slavery are so numerous that it beggars our ability to enumerate them. The condition of well-meant and unintentional slavery are so numerous, they can't even begin to talk about it. There's so much slavery that is both well-meant and unintentional. And I feel like this is, this is kind of like a key to understanding what the traps we've gotten ourselves in on, on the planet today is like the the, the systems that we're that we're engaging in in with financial transactions, it's as though every single way we're exchanging money, we're saying, "I don't care about you. I care about your money," because because I mean maybe if we were bartering, if 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 if, if like you go to the grocery store and the and the the grocery store owner is right there, and you're like, "Well, I really, I I really need this right now. Can you give it to me for half price? I really need this." The grocery store owner. Is vastly more likely to say, you know, okay, I, I see, I, I I can open my heart a little bit toward your condition right now, and I can give you this, but but we are in systems of hierarchical control where the 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 person who's actually the cashier exchanging money with you is the one who's afraid that they have to keep their job, so they have to make sure that that they are, um, you know, doing exactly what they're told, which is making sure to charge you full price. So it doesn't matter how much their hearts are open or <laughs> I haven't seen any cashier yet uh, give something to someone in line. Uh, um, and, th and there was one instance that just eats me up like crazy where I, I did see someone turned away because they their, their, their credit card didn't go through. And it's like, oh my gosh, I could have, it wouldn't have been that hard for me to, to exchange information with them and help them in that moment. And I, and I realized it's like that was that was one of the most intense lessons that I've ever experienced. Um, is that you know I I I this family I could have helped I I, I I I I failed did I fail or did they have catalyst they needed you know it's 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 this is actually a specific example in the law of one also that that a person is free to feel all the different catalysts 
when they see someone who's suffering, you can feel pity for them. You can feel compassion for them. You can feel like, what am I doing here? I should be somewhere else where there's less people like this. You know, there, you know, there, there's so many different um, reactions that we can have that are all catalyst. But where was I going with this? Um, the, the, the the slavery component of it is is kind of our catalyst, and it's also our our burden. And so the suffering on earth right now, I think, is ultimately purposeful in that it's calling us to open our hearts towards all the suffering, calling us all to to um, to recognize the ways in which we've been enslaved and say, I do not care about the system that's telling me to live my life a certain way. I would rather make new laws and new agreements with those around me and fight back against what could be perceived as tyranny. And that might be getting worse. And the fact that the fact that we're we're so we're being slow cooked like the frog in the pot, we're being we're being unaware of the ways in which we're giving over all of our freedoms to the point where I don't I don't know how this is going to look in the future. But I think the you know the, the core concept that we need to keep coming back to is 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 freedom. And I think um understanding that um freedom starts in the mind and it extends outward is also uh, the the core of how we actually become the light on the planet because if we see ourselves as enslaved then we haven't yet figured out how to inspire others to see themselves as free if we can see ourselves as free then we have the the energy necessary to begin to teach others the ways of living in a way that that is free um and it's really just a, a shift in consciousness to to recognize that at any given moment we 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 are working with the laws of the universe to respect the free will of others and to offer fruits and 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 uh, of service to others. Uh, and, and Ross says that the the bearing of fruits is a protective activity. So as we become more of service to others, we become more protected. Um, I feel like I have an incredible amount of protection right now around me to to continue to do these missions um, to to help Corey Good whenever whatever way I can because I feel like he's got the he's got the true light. He's got the deepest brightest light right now and that's why there's a war of consciousness happening around some of the information um, but it directly connected to uh, 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 the same great light which i see in the raw contact this is the way i've always seen it um and it's shocking to me also how few people are talking about the raw contact um talking about the principles of it in the wider ufo community um that's baffling to me because I, I i cannot find anything that even comes close to the level of intelligence and profoundness um, but but I feel like light in general is is this um, it's at the center of the of the war for consciousness, and so freeing people from enslavement I think is also a process of of tuning into the light and finding the, the way to bring the highest level of light and love that we can um, into our experience into our reality, and 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 that can be simply teaching people about how to eat healthier, um, and that can be teaching people about opportunities to uh, form food co-ops or to um you know collaborate in ways that free us more make us more uh independent from uh, from structures and systems that we don't feel have our best interests in mind that are just completely greedy systems um so that's kind of a big discussion also um i could switch back to see what people were saying in the chat now might be a little too much for me actually there's a q a tab here yeah 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 there was just one q a there's yeah there's a separate chat tab from the q a 
it might be helpful if you ask specific questions in the Q&A too, so I can browse through it faster. Um, I'll go back to um, some other subjects here. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, I think the, the world is suffering so much right now uh, on so many ways that we can we can feel like we have to withdraw from it and we have to sort of shield ourselves from what looks a little bit unpleasant and i think that there's um, pros and cons to creating boundaries from from the suffering of others and, and and there's a lot of wisdom that has to be applied um but i think that our um we have to be very vigilant not to be distracted from the fact that we are on a planet where there is great suffering i think this is kind of the trap of a lot of spiritual and religious communities is that they you know, they're just little bubbles to themselves where people are trying to, just like a business, they're trying to create a nice life for themselves. I feel like that's what spirituality and religion are a lot of times is, 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 is how do I make my life more easy, more comfortable? Um, and how do I go back to sleep? <laughs> how do I get more sleep? <laughs> and, uh, I think the, the key, and I'm, I'm, I'm that way too. It's like, it's like we're instinctively trying to, um, to, to be comfortable. This is just the genetic systems of, of our physical vehicle that we that we prefer comfort and um it's also interesting you know when you exercise the body the body starts to enjoy it more starts to enjoy exercise more you, all, all the little aches and pains start to go away as your body becomes stronger and you start to really appreciate the fact that you can that you can do a little bit of exercise it doesn't take much exercise to feel great exercising and i think it's the same way with all manner of service to others that when somebody's actually being benefited there is kind of like an energetic um, feedback, which is not a service to others thing. This is something that I've seen, the argument I've seen like atheists make many times is that people who are choosing to um, serve and love others, they're getting a chemical high out of it. And so therefore it's a selfish thing. And I think that that is a, a huge distortion of the nature of what love is and the nature of what our will is. And and our will is not uh, one to feed our physiological systems on the fundamental on the most fundamental level our will is to incarnate to start with why did we choose to be born to start with what was the purpose for us even taking on a body that's that's where everything starts so we still have a will to stay alive through eating food and that's kind of like a service to self thing that we keep coming back to we we, we continuously are are becoming hungry and we think well I, i'd rather not be hungry right now uh and that helps us stay alive and that's not like um, a spiritual path, but that's uh, more of a precondition to, to being on earth in a body. But but from, from the realization that we have our basic needs met, once we have the, the red chakra in balance, that our basic needs are met, now we start thinking in terms of self-identity, the orange chakra, and then we start thinking in terms of social relations, the yellow chakra. And, and, and practically everything people are overly focused on right now is in some way uh, a social structure game of planetary consciousness that's like this, this this infinitely complex web of of uh beliefs around what it means to be a person in society um, but breaking through all those walls is the is the way to win the game the, the way ross says winning the game is opening the heart and compassion and say i lay down all my cards face up i don't care 
what I've dealt myself in this incarnation. I'm just going to love everyone. And that's when the, the, the magic of manifestation comes in much more strongly. And that's how we um, we start breaking free of, of all these um, negative systems that have been holding us back because they're they're using us um, in, in manipulative ways that, that prevent us from from realizing that all of our problems do go away when we when we start tuning more and more into this higher unconditional love frequency and this this higher higher awareness that can intuitively show us what we're needing you know I, there's been many times where I've been writing code and this is almost like a this is like something that every programmer goes through as you're writing code you and you encounter bugs that are not your bug it becomes frustrating initially and 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 you think well i i it's not my job i should go talk to the person whose responsibility it is or if you, if it's open source you can you can you can acknowledge the fact that there's volumes and volumes books worth of code that you could pour through or you can you can say i'm going to ask my guides right now you know where where is the root of this problem and then i can be i can be guided to the the code file where the problem is just immediately it doesn't it doesn't require you know hours of research and reading through code if i can just tune in and figure out that's that's exactly what i need to do to to be of service to others right now is to fix this problem in this particular code file and um it's like that it's like that way with everything in life that we that, that we that we just can live in kind of surrender to the the higher self in a sense that that is that is that has the highest and best path for us in 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 mind and as long as we're just kind of willing to listen and just go along with the curriculum that's laid out for us because every moment offers a new lesson and opportunity for um choosing choosing to open the heart further choosing to walk in light a little bit more um so sharing light with others i think comes in many different categories um you know health subjects are a huge deal and so i hope to have a lot more health teachings on ascension works tv soon and i've been so benefited by nutritional supplements i mean i've talked about the herb um go to cola and other places um i always try to keep that at my desk um and go to cola is the number one herb that i take the most and i recommend the most and the reason for that is still mysterious to me <laughs> because of the fact that Coca-Cola is the herb that has uh when I when I first started experimenting with with herbs um and supplements I I was taking large doses into I would take one new supplement in a large dose to see if it changed anything about my day I'd at least at least do a little bit of experimenting on myself try to understand and I mean you want to research to see what is a safe large dose you don't want to overdo it but with something that's I mean, this is something people literally will eat on their salad in India. I mean, you you can grow it. I, I I'm intending to start growing it on my own and experimenting with, you know, putting more nutrients into it. But the uh, the herb itself is just like a food. So um, there's just happens to be, um, I guess, alkaloids. There's different compounds in there that the plant is generating um, that that have benefits in the brain that seem to balance the hemispheres of the brain in some way. But but when I first experimented with it, I had, I went to uh, it was a Sunday morning. I went to church and I was brought to tears for the first time in since maybe I was a kid. I couldn't remember the last time I was brought to tears. I was brought to tears. So that I, I immediately knew there's something different about this day. And then when I got home, I was like, oh my gosh, I took that herb. Uh, so so I started experimenting and I kept being brought to tears more and more. 
by the kind of like the beauty of, of creation, the beauty of reality and realize this, this thing is healing my brain or something. So um, that's been happening ever since. But I know that the whatever that sensation is that it's doing, it's connecting me into a kind of higher aspect of myself. And it's kind of like an integrative herb. It's like it's helping me integrate and heal a lot of different hard to describe things that, that relate to opening the intuition, I think. Opening and connecting the intuition with the rational mind, I think, is 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 one of the most important things that we can um, focus on. Um, if there is there even is a way to focus on it, because the focusing is the the rational mind trying to focus, and and the intuitive mind is is letting go of focus to to receive, and 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 consciously recognizing that we need to be intuitive is kind of like a step that I I had to I had to I had to gradually open in order to uh, to be an effective code writer um programmer and and so out of that now comes ascension works tv which is like a, a crazy combination of a bunch of different um things that i've learned over the years and put together in one platform and maybe maybe i could even talk about it a little bit um but my goal with ascension works tv is to ultimately be a a platform where everyone can share content uh, of all kinds um and 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 I do want to eventually make it so that it can be more uh, monetizable for people in, in more ways so that it can kind of replace the needs of Facebook and YouTube and course selling websites. And um, at the same time, I want to you know have it be a play platform where we're curating and structuring the content so that people can can wake up the fastest with with very high quality peer information with very low low noise levels. Uh, it seems like a lot of what people are, are doing out there right now is not really founded upon anything except their guesses and assumptions and um and I, I feel like people are just assuming things and speaking them with great confidence um it it's hard for me to know what to believe um but you know when, when people when people have been doing the work and they get a lot of results from from their healing practice that's a very good sign um getting a lot of results in their lives um it's, it's a good sign and it's worth sharing what people are doing to help them um, heal faster and help us heal the planet faster. Um, all right. Trisha talking about alkalinity. Yeah, alkalinity is very important. That's why also another re reason I recommend trying to eat a lot more leafy greens. Um, and uh, that's that's the easiest way to get a lot of nutrition and alkalinity fast, I think, is eating large leafy green salads. And I like salad dressings that are, um, and it's funny, this is what was talked about in the uh, um, the Raw Food Alchemy uh, series on Ascension Works TV. I think in the second show there, she was talking about using, um, I think it was like, you basically want something that's an oil and you want something that is a little bit um, acidic to balance out the alkalinity a little bit from the um, from the leafy greens. So you can avoid sugars in your salad if you just mix together olive oil or tahini um, with something like mustard or a balsamic vinegar vinaigrette or something. Um, you can you can you can have a satisfying salad that tastes great with a little bit of fat in there, and um, and balance out the flavor a little bit of the the harshness of the of the leafy greens. If you're eating a lot of there can be so much alkalinity in leafy greens that it's that's harsh to eat. Uh, if you're eating a lot of kale, um, so sometimes it's good to um, and potentially, 
in the future, if we eat, start eating the leafy greens growing around us naturally more often, those can be very harsh too. So having a little bit of acidity um, in the in the salad dressing can help balance that flavor. Yes, I am recording this webinar. We will you will have access. This is um, this is something that will be kind of an ongoing series and. Um, Yeah, I might be inviting more people on. Um, I'm still deciding the right way to get permission for people to be recorded. And then I can invite more people on to these more on the fly to be joining in the discussion with your face and your, your voice in future sessions. Todd says that, uh, yeah, people have said that meat is important to get the fat needed for the brain. Um, and I mean, I feel like everyone is probably different and I've just, I've just experimented with being vegan for so long. I just, I just haven't had problems. And I, I've, I've been, like I said, I've experimented with supplements all the time too. So I, I don't know if, uh, you know, the supplements are what have helped me stay balanced on a vegan diet. Um, or other food choices. For example, there's been times when I felt like I needed to be eating more beans. I needed to be eating more um, tempeh, which is fermented soy. Tempeh helped me kind of, I usually put that on a salad too. That was an easy way to kind of get a lot of uh, extra calories and protein. Um, there have been times where I was low on money and I just was like, I, I, I saw recommendations, people eat raw peanuts and I started eating a lot more raw peanuts and that seemed to help me out too. Um, and there's a lot of fat and protein in peanuts. But peanuts obviously have a kind of like a mold or a fungus thing that people are, that was what causes the allergy. They can also affect other people who don't necessarily think they have allergies to peanuts. Still might not be ideal to eat a lot of peanuts. So, um, but there's also herbs out there like cat's claw uh, that I, it's not, it's not literally cat's claw. It's like a, it's like a plant from South America, maybe like Peru. And that's an herb that apparently helps clear out the fungus from the body. So I take that every day. I've, I've been intuitively feeling like taking that every day. I don't, I don't know if that helps balance out what was ever in the peanuts that shouldn't have been uh, ideal for me. Um, but peanuts are essentially like beans more so than nuts. And nuts obviously can be great too, and uh, but can be a little bit more pricey. Um, so yeah, this I could talk about food endlessly too. Um, and specifically relating to fats, I guess, you know, I do love tahini. Tahini is uh, uh, sesame seed, sesame seeds ground up. It's kind of it's a very very flavorful um, kind of dressing that can go on all kinds of foods, and so I, I probably get a lot of fat from tahini and almonds, and I don't know. Terry asks, "Is there a good book on or source that would go into depth on depth on the archetypes, or are you planning on going into the, into depth on that subject?" And yeah, I have not found anything that is like anything a, a step up from the raw contact it feels like the raw contact covered the archetypes so well um, that to even paraphrase what raw says usually is adding distortions that make it less clear than what raw said so i would hope to one day offer a superior teaching that can go more into depth on all the details and that's kind of what we're what we started doing in the second sunday discussions um, if you attend um, the Law of One discussions, the next one will be on the uh, February the 12th. We'll, we'll talk about those more. 
Yeah, high vibe food is very important. It's so fascinating to me that we, if, if everyone was growing their own food, they would have higher vibration food kind of naturally because of the prana that's in the living food and the freshness of the nutrients that don't die, you know, as as the as the food is refrigerated, as it's going through the process of being transported and brought in the grocery stores, it's losing nutrients throughout the whole time. And as it, as it ages, it's just gradually breaking down, becoming less fresh and less nutritious. And uh, so the fresh vegetables are are definitely um, a way of, of getting getting closer to high vibration. So so Ivan asked, did you see the recent webinar from Michael Sala? I was calling her Linda I have not seen that. Um, and I would, it would not surprise me if it was contradicting. I, I feel like... Um, you know, the, the amount of contradiction existing in the UFO field is so vast. And it's like people are turning a blind eye, I feel, to to how much it's happening everywhere. And, you know, um, Michael Sala has written books in the past that I'm sure have details that contradicted um, some, some of his newer work. Um, and, and it's like, it's because there's so many different sources to cover. We have different beliefs, different ideas. And and he's and he's doing his best to try to cover what he feels like is is doing a a, a comprehensive job at covering what's out there. But um, <laughs> I, I have found that it's difficult to trust hardly anyone um, because nearly no one is even reading the raw contact and seeing that that their beliefs contradict what's in the raw contact already. So it's it's like I I could not do what Michael Sala does. Um, Is there, yeah. Uh, Carrie asked for a list of recommended supplements. Um, I would say it kind of depends on your diet, of course. And um, my, my list of recommended supplements is kind of long and it's been changing from year to year also. And the, if I could think about it right now, like the number one supplement I think everyone is deficient in is iodine. Um, and I, I, I like the work of Dr. Uh, um, Brownstein, um, who has a book called Salt Your Way to Health, also in a book about iodine. Um, I think he calls it the most misunderstood nutrient. And, um, you know, if you, if you look at the Edgar Casey readings, they're full of recommendations that people take iodine in a form that's called Lugol solution, L-U-G-O-L. And if you if you uh, search for Lugol solution, you'll get uh, supplements for iodine, which actually have a high dose of iodine, very very high dose compared to practically, you know, if you, if you take a multivitamin that has iodine in it, it'll say 100%. You won't find a, a multivitamin that has iodine in it that it'll say like 10,000%. You won't see that because of the fact that um, you know multivitamin makers are not really that 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 aware of of this kind of research that that, that shows that people are so deficient. Um, cause doctors are not testing for iodine deficiency levels. They just used goiters to say, we need a little bit more iodine in the salt. They used to put iodine in the bread. They stopped doing that. Uh, iodine is in the salt, but people aren't even taking iodized salt hardly anymore. And, you know, just, just enough iodine to prevent goiters is not the amount of iodine, which actually supercharge your thyroid and make you resistant to the harshness of the sun, which is literally what happens when you take enough iodine, you, you no longer have to worry about sunburns or sunscreen. As far, that's my experience, at least. I still, I still get a little bit of coloring in my hand, but there's no stinging. There's no, um, it doesn't feel like I'm being damaged. It just feels like I'm being, um, lightly, lightly cooked a little without, without any kind of 
negative side effects from staying out in the sun. And I've experimented. I've been doing this you know, 15 years, you know, taking very high dose of iodine, which would be 12 and a half milligrams per day. It's what I recommend if you can do it every day. And if you're very deficient, if you have any thyroid issues, I would, no, I'm not going to give you any medical advice. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I got to put in a different disclaimer for that kind of thing. Um, I'm so far from being a doctor, honestly. Um, but I recommend also people take selenium as a separate supplement. I feel like that's another one that's um, generally deficient. People are generally deficient in that. And there's so much that's been associated with the benefits of selenium for the for the body and the brain. Uh, I take it in the form of selenomethionine, 200, 400 milligrams a day. Um, uh, and B vitamins, obviously, I have a strange relationship with B, B vitamins because I feel that there are um, potential times that I've taken too many B vitamins. So I take uh, 50 milligrams of a lot of the B vitamins in a B50 supplement when I'm trying to get a lot of work done. Um, and when I am not, when I'm only focused on spiritual work, I do not feel like I need B vitamins. I feel like my brain kind of is in a different kind of balance when I'm not taking B vitamins. And I prefer not getting too many vitamins sometimes. Um, and just kind of like fasting from vitamins. Um, and, but yeah, it, it really depends on what, what you're deficient in. So taking a, there probably all are good multivitamins out there. Um, and there are a lot of really good herbs out there. Um, obviously something like astragalus is just all around very beneficial for the for the body. Um, so I take astragalus extract every day and cat's claw extract I take every day. I mentioned cat's claw earlier. And I started taking uh, rhodiola. Now that I've had a baby and my life has gotten more stressful, rhodiola rosea extract. And um, there's a phospholipid called phosphatidyl serine, which is found in soy lecithin and sunflower lecithin. And, and that seems to boost the brain quite a lot. And it's very, very well scientifically studied. Sometimes it just goes by PS, phosphatidyl, serine. And I love that one. Um, and uh, it's one called PQQ. I just started taking that seems to be doing something else for my brain. It's hard to put words on, but it seems to keep me in a better state of state of mind through and more balanced and more uh, productive. Yeah, this is something that is probably did its own, its own uh, presentation. And yeah, curcumin, the extract of turmeric is extremely beneficial for so many things in the body. It's like, I would recommend people always have a bottle of turmeric around so that if they feel intuitively guided to take more turmeric, you can get your body a little bit um, flowing its juices a little bit cleaner with, with for turmeric, I think. Um, and uh, D3, if, you're, if it's the winter time, you're not getting out in the sun, you gotta be taking a lot of D3 um, to stay, to stay keep your immune, immune system functioning properly. D3 can can kind of make up for those deficits in sunlight. Yeah. <laughs> Todd says, my wife makes me take D3. And I I, I take 10,000 units of, of D3. It's apparently, it's like being out in the sun for 10 minutes is like 10, 10 to 20,000 or something like that. So these supplements that have like less than 1,000 units of D3, it's almost like, what's the point of that? If it's not even like being out in the sun for a few minutes. Um, I'm sure there's others, um, but but like I said, maybe I can do a completely separate show and maybe talk about somebody who's an expert in these things more and uh, and, and bounce ideas off of them with what they what they think is most important. 
yep uh todd talks about um red salt and uh and yeah dr brownstein talks about the um importance of unrefined salt that has the minerals left in there i think it might be you might mean the, the pink salt todd that the, the pink salt has more minerals so himalayan pink salt is one of the most common varieties of salt that has more more minerals added in and uh i take one i, I like one called real salt which comes from uh utah Celtic salt is great. Celtic salt, I think, has a slightly slight amount more sulfur in its in its makeup than the other kinds of of salts, which I found interesting because of the connection between Celtic people having apparently more psychic ability, and there may be some kind of connection between that and sulfur. I, I don't know for sure if if uh, we're low on sulfur in our diets or something like that. But there are uh, this is oh this is I should have mentioned this is that you know all the foods they were eating organic or not if you're not growing it yourself you know there's probably and you're not specifically making sure it's getting a lot of minerals in the soil all the soil is being depleted um through through conventional and organic farming methods very often the soil has so so much fewer minerals so eating the the salt that has more minerals in it is a great start but i think it's also important to take an additional kind of supplement that would contain what's called the humic or fulvic minerals which are basically like after you know um forests or vegetation de decomposes uh it turns into the, the black soil and and when people do chemical processes on the black soil to, to distill it down to um kind of like this pure form of mineral content that mineral content then is put into many different kinds of supplements these days and it's called humic or fulvic minerals and th there's an ancient version of it called shilajit s-h-i-l a J I T, and that one might be just as cost um, easy to afford as, as any of the other supplements, and contain a lot of the same practically all the same uh, nutrients that you get from any other of the fancy expensive fulvic or humic minerals. But I, I, I'm not I'm not speaking from a strong experience in what supplements are out there, um, but I know that mineral supplements are very important. I think for for rebuilding the body and keeping keeping everything running properly um as as it would have if we had been alive 100 years ago when we were getting the nutrients from the soil that was more close to the what nature intended kelp is a really great way to get iodine definitely yeah if you're eating kelp every day uh if you're eating like the japanese eat seaweed then you probably are getting enough iodine so that's like the only way to get enough iodine, which which is very profound to think that the, the iodine is not in the soil. The iodine went out to the oceans. I wonder if there was some kind of process that, that caused the iodine to be pulled out of the rest of the earth and just end up in the oceans, or if it was just, I don't know, some other fluke of our evolutionary process that the iodine was not in the right amounts in the in the soil, and you gotta gotta go to the ocean to get enough iodine if you're eating you know like a, a, a normal diet um without without supplements yep todd mentioning fasting yep fasting is fasting is awesome i don't i don't know what's how, how everyone's body reacts to to fasting honestly i know my, my wife had problems where she was um puking bile i think when when she started fasting um what just one particular time she started fasting she was puking up more more of this bile and i know there's a lot there's a lot of uh 
recommendations on the internet relating to that um, that she had to she had to look into. So you have to kind of experiment and know your body, um, and and think the more you uh, the more you do it, the, the easier it becomes, and the more your body adapts to to the the changes, and also detoxifies through the process. And and um, detoxing is a whole other subject, which I I'm not an expert in at all. Um, I, I could share a funny story. That I, 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 there's there there are powders called zeolites that uh, can help detoxify the body from heavy heavy minerals, heavy heavy metals, have different aspects that, that apparently you want to get out of your body. But I one time took too much and I didn't drink enough water, and I ended up getting dehydrated and getting a severe pain in my lower abdomen, and uh, that was not pleasant. and And it was like I was so stressed that I wasn't drinking water already um with with other work that was going on um in my life and and it's like the, if supplements are are kind of like a a component of your anxiety if you're taking your your supplements out of fear that you have to be taking them and you take too much that can be kind of like an extension of your karma a little bit too in the same way a supplement can be seen as something that is um furthering health it can be seen as something that is associated with the fear and so so it's, it's good to um and that that's that I, I felt like i needed to be taking more zeolite and ended up getting getting a negative side effect from that um so the uh yeah i guess i'm i'm just saying to, to stay in tune to your body when you're when you're taking supplements well I, I guess we're 75 minutes in now um i think there are other areas of uh information that i'd like to cover on uh, on these live streams eventually such as relating to um you know the practical skills that we are needing to learn if if we're going to have to revert to a, a lower tech society at some point um it, it might actually be i mean people get so much joy uh, it's like everyone has a hobby you know every, everybody's there's a lot of people who teach different aspects of survival skills and they get great pleasure from it and they get great pleasure from teaching others about how to how to how to how to live in a very efficient way there's there's so many more tools now that are low tech but are still superior to what people had um hundreds of thousands of years ago um just because of all the advancements in material science and manufacturing that we've had it's very easy to to buy a lot of tools that will help you um, be a better farmer today and uh, also um you know maintain every everything in your life um so I'm hoping to get into more practical areas, um, but um, you know the most practical thing that we can focus on is ultimately our our spiritual path and what what it is that we're that we're not yet breaking through um, that will bring us to the next lesson, which is the most perfect lesson for us, which will break through our walls of of uh, of uh, inability to be of service to others. And uh, and then at that point, I think once we once we are focused on being of service to others, we can we can step into um, our community on a different level. And so, one thing I want to recommend for people, if if you've never even checked the website volunteermatch.com, that's that's a great that's a great resource. Um, I'm going to pull this up here. Um, For, for for getting aware of what what else is going on in your community so 
that, that, that you can be getting, begin to become a part of. Um, let me see if I've got the right screen shared here. So, um, so the, the, the website volunteermatch.org, you can just type in your address, click find opportunities, and it pulls up a list of all the nonprofits in your area who have registered for this website and said that they need help uh, with something that, that they can just receive applicants for getting help through. And so, you know, nonprofits don't always cover the greatest needs in your community, and it's always important to um, to kind of recognize when you can be of service to others without any kind of formal organizational system. Um, but uh, the the fact that there are organizations with very loving people already in them, uh, and, and you know, it, certainly the larger organizations are more suspect than the, the smaller organizations. But very often, smaller organizations. Um, evolved out of people being very open-hearted and it's important to go meet those people in your community and kind of get a sense of you know is there something that i could be doing that is going to allow me to feel a lot of connection to my community and satisfaction that i'm actually i'm actually making a difference i'm actually helping people this is this is at least one little tiny way to get started um that, that i could recommend people at least try if you've never looked on here browse through and and just just step out of your comfort zone a little bit more with with trying to find ways to volunteer if you have the time, um, which a lot of people don't because of the slave system that we're in. And I understand that. And and uh, it's like it's like you know I, I felt like I had to kind of back away at one point from uh, dedicating my whole weekends to things that were not maintaining myself. Um, and uh, before I quit my job, but eventually I had to step away from my working full-time job and just do freelance work, which would allow me time to have like a balance between 50% paid work, 50% free community service in some form. And that's how I was able to, you know, build so many services for the community in the past and, and do so many meetup groups is because I just said, this is my job too. My part of my job is not being paid and it's just doing what, what I feel is important. And, and so um, I feel like that's been a good balance for me to try to maintain some sense that I'm, I'm balancing my efforts uh, between uh, employment and, and community work. But at some point, I, they started to blend together and I realized, you know, I can just, I can just pursue um, uh, communities like Ascension Works TV and I can pursue um, projects that will that will it will be of service in a way that I feel is actually being most of service for what I can offer at this time. Not that I cannot be of great, great service when I encounter homeless people on the street, like homeless person, homeless family, anything. I can I can be of service um exactly the right way, exactly the right moment. Um that's that's always happening. And it's like it's it's important to to stay open um to to your your wider community without without feeling like you you know your calling because your calling could change from moment to moment based on um the lesson that that you didn't know you needed to learn that is being opened up to you um so like like in colorado springs they had a food bank that, that i that i checked out it's like there's so many um homeless shelters and um ways to help pets also um ways to help 
families, um, ways to help uh, with education, schools, and uh, and all kinds of children's services, hospice, um, mental health. Um, I don't know if any of these are just advertisements for money. I hope not. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can sort by, certainly if you're in a larger city, you can sort by uh, causes that interest you um, and skills that you have. So so that's a fascinating resource. I, th I think uh, probably a lot of people don't know about that. Um, But uh, the the number one resource that I want to recommend to people, as 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 I have in the past, if you're not aware of it, is Meetup.com. If you're not a registered member of Meetup.com and receiving emails, I recommend getting on Meetup.com and um, telling it what you're interested in. Um, it, it it basically will ask you your um, your interests. And you can put in, there, there's many different kinds of categories and tags people tag their events with. So as a meetup organizer, I can tag my events with Law of One if I want to. I can tag them with um, CE5 meditation. And uh, as people who are interested in those things go on the site and search for those things, then they will be able to find my meetings and my groups. Um, although mostly the way people find it is through the bigger, broader categories like spirituality, consciousness, meditation. Um, the, you can see how many people are subscribed to the different categories um, when you're selecting the categories. Um, and uh, so, so that's a way to kind of funnel more people locally in your group. So if somebody is registered to interest in consciousness and you start a new group and you say, my group is about consciousness, and you, this is like a way to put in like eight tags or something like that. Then they will get an email and they will know right away that you are in their area and you will want to talk about these things in a meeting. So, so that's why meetup.com is so powerful as a tool for marketing. And, you know, Facebook does this to a, a much, much lesser degree. When you start a Facebook group that's focused on a particular region and people are searching for that region, they can, um, they might be recommended that group. But Facebook algorithms can, you know, they can take a whole lot away from even just the members who have joined the group because they won't get the notification that they didn't specifically try. Um, yeah, and ho hopefully Essential Works TV can kind of be a replacement for meetup.com more too um, so that you know, our community will will at least be able to find the people in the community who are, who are local. That's, that's a huge goal uh, to kind of merge features I built with this previous social network I did called the New Earth Network. I'm going to pull all that into the Essential Works TV community eventually. Um, but meetup.com has by far the most people and uh, of any similar website for finding people with, um, um, I guess, eclectic interests or any interests that are outside of the norm. You'll find those, uh, if, if you don't find any um, groups on meetup.com that come close to what you want, then you could just start one and even just have it be like a Zoom meeting that is, um, you know, once a month or something and at least see if anybody wants to join that's local to you. And then and then you could even start, not that I recommend starting with necessarily a um, Zoom meeting if you know that people are local to you and they're interested in joining. Because um, I, I certainly didn't, it wasn't even a feature on there to do Zoom meetings to start with. I st started the ET Disclosure and Contact Meetup Group in 2015. 
And immediately there were like 10 people who came up, came to the first meeting. Um, and it turned out somebody else had been doing similar meeting and stopped doing it a few months prior in, in town who wasn't or organized through meetup.com. Um, so it was very easy for me in Colorado Springs, which is a fairly large town, hundreds of thousands of people. So, you know, if you're in a town with 5,000 people, it might be much harder to find anyone um, that's similar to you. But um, once you're able to meet with people local to you um, that, are, that are similar to you, then it's almost like it's an avalanche effect. For me, it was an avalanche effect of becoming more involved in all different kinds of communities in the, in the, in the, in the area that are, that are loosely connected to each other. And it's like there's already a network of lightworkers who are building communities and those communities can start to integrate more. And I think that this is, I feel like I've kind of had a vision that, that as we get closer to dramatic events happening on earth and maybe society um, collapsing to a little more intense degree than it has been, then, then having, having your, your peers who understand what's going on or capable of understanding what's going on, I think that's going to be one way that we can we can be at much greater service to our local communities by by setting up the systems that um, that are built by people who who are actually capable of maintaining some level of agreement of of, uh, of mind around around what what actually is service and what needs to happen to to predict what what was most needed and 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 maintain that that level of service to our communities. Um, but yeah, that that's what led to me doing you know protests at the Space Force. Uh, and it was Air Force Base at the time. Now it's called Space Force Base. And uh, giving them a bunch of information. Uh, and uh, Corey Goodis talked about that a little bit. Um, and uh, also the uh, Space Symposium here in town, the largest space conference. Um, it, it's, Colorado Springs is an interesting town, for, to say the least. Um, but uh, every town is different, and I'm sure there's different uh, ways to wake up people um, who are who are stuck in, in different belief systems. But uh, but starting to have a community of people who are awake is 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 really key. <laughs> Trish says she's alone in a town with the black sheep in a town full of seven thousand white sheep. Yeah, so I, I know I know that that's the way it feels a lot, uh, and th this is why I I think I think it's a good idea just to have a meetup group anyway, uh, and just see if there's anybody, uh, because you know in inevitably there'll be somebody else who looks. Yeah, you never know. Um, and I think also there's something going on right now with the wake up. The, the awakening in consciousness. People are tired, and you can start out with just something of, "I'm I'm I'm sick and tired of X," <laughs> and just have that be your meeting title. I'm sick and tired of X, and if that's something that a lot of other people in your community are sick and tired of, or in your in your city are sick and tired of, which is clearly happening, as we're divided fifty fifty right now, um, in, in, in this polarized consciousness. Um, I think there's a lot of people who can kind of like begin to wake up to broader concepts, or they might be like on the fence about about a lot of things. And you just need to show them a little bit more evidence, and they can wake up a little bit faster. So you know, like my dad, for example, um, you know he he could have been called a traditional um, Christian conservative at one point, but he was super skeptical of of all the media. It's like you know, how much influence how much influence from other governments is there on the media 
he wasn't even suspicious of the United States government as much as foreign governments. But then um, when I showed him the 9-11 Mysteries documentary, and he just realized how much of a absurdity it is to, to put some of those facts together that we were forced force fed on 9-11 on that he started realizing that he needed to do more research as as did i around the same time and and it's like it's, it's just it's just a little bit of a a switch in the mind to say okay i'm willing to research i'm willing to look and dig a little deeper and, and if a person is at that point where there's just a little tiny flip switch that has to be flipped then it might be your job to plant that seed and give them the opportunity to flip that little switch to to start seeking seeking a little bit more than they had before all right we are now at 90 minutes i feel like that might be a pretty good length of meeting let's see did i miss any questions here i'm glad i wasn't overwhelmed with too many questions i guess um Ivan says, building community is so important. I have put some effort into that over the years. Several times the folks I thought were light workers weren't exactly of the light. So I'm working with more wisdom now. And yeah, that's I feel like that's been a it's always a learning process, especially dealing with um people of different age groups, people have different kinds of experience and different expectations. Um some people may have experience with nonprofit structures, some people have no experience with organizing on any level. And uh, there's just dramatically different kinds of side effects from the different kinds of personalities out there. Um, so, yeah. So I actually did a presentation on this. I did a, did a couple of presentations on working with others in your community. Um, so I have a slideshow here. Um, I was wondering if I should share, which was from uh, 2018. I, this was never recorded, but I had this presentation prepared for the Dimensions of Disclosure Conference a workshop that I, I did there. Um, make sure I've got right screen shared. So um, I put some slides in here that were um, about these challenges. Um, you know, people break out of their shells when they're around like-minded communities. Um, so there's exponential power in numbers, so that's why it's important to, to at least start. Um, it's important to have good places to meet. It's important to, um, you know, sometimes it's good to avoid starting meeting in your home because people can be weirded out by going to a stranger's home. There might be a category of people who are kind of um, more comfortable at a library if you have a local library so i've been doing meetings at libraries primarily um, for for years and years um, parks are great obviously always ask for feedback ask people about what they like about the venue about the times and days of meeting frequency of meeting meeting format and length ease of parking it seems like small details, but they can make a difference to making people feel comfortable, you know, coming back again and again to to meet with you. And I like I like the idea of uh, not doing, you know, 
not ever presenting something completely and having that be the meeting. Like um, when you're with people in person, make sure you're doing a lot of open discussion and you're not controlling the discussion completely, that people are free to talk. And that's what people, that's what it really seemed to attract people to the media groups I've hosted is just letting people talk and letting people exchange ideas and information because I don't have all the information and I, I I could be boring, I'm sure, at some time, some points. So it's it's very, very helpful. People can can talk themselves and, and, and make it much more lively. And and I do feel like there's a collective and consciousness collective consciousness that starts to sit in when people are when you don't have a plan, then the plan is allowed to be bigger than than your planning. You know, it's like your higher selves are working together on some level. Um yeah, I come with questions to ask. You could ask people what draws you to the group, what interests you about this particular subject. What are your experiences? Don't stress about what you're going to do in your meetings. Just let it just let it unfold naturally. Yeah, see if there are, there are some people. It's important to start with a a light approach to uh, community organizing where. You're not very committed to trying to achieve something. Don't have too much of an agenda to start with, but just see who you can work with. And the people who are willing to work with you more, uh, who seem most balanced and um, most aligned and humble, you can you can you can start to form a core group around them and have separate meetings where you're meeting with those people just as friends and just and just make sure that you're able to get on the same page about more things than you may be able to really get on the same page about in the in the other meetings where there's the general public being invited. And money can be an issue. I, I would say, I mean, don't charge for money um, as much as possible when having public discussion meetings. Um, you just invite a lot more people in if you don't if you don't charge for money. But letting people donate is still a good idea. Um, that'll encourage encourage the meeting to, to continue, I guess, on some level. Um, so people have a lot of sacred cows. It's important to recognize when people have like a belief system that you can't touch because they're so they're so bought into it that um, it's just like a red line of tape they put around around their thinking and you just you don't have to go there you can kind of like walk around that line up until the point that the boundaries of the line are made very are made so clear that you're able to more directly address address those issues um, it's like people have to people have to understand each other and feel comfortable um, to, 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 to dig into the, the deeper, the deeper, I guess, biases that are, um, religious in nature. Usually it's almost like a religion when, even if it's political, it's, it's more like a religion than a lot of other things that are just like, oh, I heard about this. Did you hear about that? Yeah, but I believe this. So I know that's not true. You know, there's these very different kinds of knowledge and ideas that, that are communicated. Um, Yeah, sometimes it's hard to detect when people have individual agendas when when they when they come to promote something you don't know what they're trying to do. Um, so just be patient because it'll come out within a couple of meetings. You'll know what their agenda has. It usually comes out some somehow. So understanding people won't get along is very important. Just recognize it's gonna it's just gonna happen, um, but still finding a way to accept others as equals is is key. Um, it's just your inner energy of being accepting of others is what becomes like the the model for others to emulate. 
So the more people like your energy that's open and accepting, the more they'll try to be open and accepting in the groups. And it's almost like people look up to the people who are most open and accepting in the groups. And sharing respect for everyone is definitely um, something you can make as a rule, uh, a guideline for attendance. Um, and But it's also like a contagious factor that people, people want to see respect more and more when they attend the meetings. Uh, and when people are oblivious to the facts, then a lot of times those are just the, they don't they don't return to the meetings if if people are if people don't vibe well they they sort of end up leaving um after a few meetings that's my experience at least um yeah not getting emotional is one of the key things to hosting meetings with a lot of different diverse belief systems and opinions um just make sure that that you you've uh, processed whatever it is uh, that that triggered you in the previous meetings and and meditate on it and come to terms of acceptance and and then you won't have to be emotional in the in the, in the future meetings when that when that comes up. Um, recognizing everybody's a mirror is also another way of of staying very balanced. Uh, when somebody triggers you, see is there something about me that that I I'm not accepting of that I can I can find. It's it's still a, everything is still a catalyst as long as it's, if there's any response inside of you. Ross says in session forty two, even if it is simply observed, you're just simply observing a response in you, then that is still a catalyst useful for teach learning. The end result is that catalyst is no longer needed. Thus, this density is no longer needed. Yeah, staying relatively detached but trying to work together as much as possible is the right philosophy. I think. Avoiding the words should and shouldn't can help people get along more easily too. When you're realizing that that you're um, kind of, the words should, if you're implying that someone needs to do something through a should, then it's like you're saying that that their free will is not their own anymore. Um, and you have to respect free will first, let people do whatever they want, um, as long as it's not infringing on the free will of others. Um, which is obviously a wisdom game too to understand what that means, um, but but if, but if you recognize the shoulds coming on, then that that's that's one way to, to step step away uh, and to see if that creates more harmony. Um, you can you can wait to be asked a question before speaking too. If somebody's getting really upset with you, just wait to see if they if they ask something, and you don't add anything into the in the conversation until they've invited that. Wait for the invitation to add more your energy and again. If something becomes too too uh, too harsh for for them to want to be there anymore. And negative perceptions are temporary, and balancing the negative perception with positive perceptions is often just a matter of time. And I love I might I might end it with this. I just I so love this essay written by Silicon Valley investor named Paul Graham, uh, who was just he was observing uh, debates on internet forums and watching people just not not get along and not agree, and uh, and so he developed an, he wrote an article and I. Put it up on website howtodisagree.org just because it's so it's easier to read there or to, to find it but the the hierarchy starts with name calling uh this is how this is the easiest way to disagree with someone is just say you're an idiot and i just i just don't care about you anymore uh and then the second the second ladder of disagreement is ad hominem attacks on the person's character or the authority of the of the writer authority of the person without addressing the substance of the argument. It doesn't matter what you say. I know you are not trustworthy, so I don't care anything you have to say. So that's that's the next 
the uh, level up of of uh, it's slightly uh, more respectful than than name calling, I guess. And, uh, but the, but the next level up is uh, responding to tone, criticizing the tone. Say, I don't like the I don't like the energy in here. I don't like the way you're saying it. Um, so I know that I don't I don't care about what you have to say because I just don't like the energy. So at least you're not saying I don't like the person. You're saying I don't like the energy. Um, and then contradiction is the next level up uh, when you're saying um, I I know you believe that. But I believe the opposite. I just believe the opposite. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all. That's 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 not very helpful. Still, because it's not explaining um, the path. You have to you have to build the bridge from their reasoning to your reasoning. If you want to if you want to disagree well, and the counter argument is the, is the starting point of this counter argument contradicts and then backs it up with reasoning and or supporting evidence. Refutation finds the mistake and explains why it's mistaken using quotes so this is something that is more useful for obviously on the internet when when you're saying that somebody is uh completely off base because i know the truth is this and that well you don't, you don't necessarily want to paraphrase paraphrase this and that if you can quote this and that so if you can put in a little quotation or a link um that that becomes that turns a counter argument into a refutation when you provide some something that they can directly see is the refutation and then the, the, the top level is refuting the, the central point so instead of getting lost in the details of what they're what they're talking about and getting distracted by the 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 less meaningful important parts of what they're saying find out dis distill the core of what they're trying to say and explicitly re refute that with some kind of evidence that's the the best kind of disagreement um that people can respect that that's that's what science should be is explicitly refuting through um through finding evidence and saying this is this is the point of this concept and we have refuted this through this other scientific study and analysis and uh, science today is obviously devolving all the way back down to ad hominem and name calling sometimes so um it's interesting that this is emulated across all these different areas of, of our of our reality that we have to uh keep in mind when we're engaging with others that there's always a way to uh to 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 respond in a way that they might respect all right i think that would be a good uh a good show did anyone else ask anything here can we get a copy of this powerpoint mike uh yes i could post this um in the show notes on the description once i post the description and this is also like a historical record for me too because i originally wanted this powerpoint to be accessed through um a recording and was never recorded in 2018 um never had a chance to re-record it so and now it's kind of a lot of stuff a little out of date there uh, but uh i don't know if you know if i would agree with some of the things that i said back then um but uh it's uh still helpful to see what my thinking was i think all right yeah, I was I was nervous. I didn't have anything to talk about, but it looks like it looks like it went well. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm I'm hoping to not be the only one talking on the next show, and I'm still debating. Do you guys prefer uh, maybe maybe I could ask in the chat right here how many people prefer Friday nights and how many people prefer Saturday afternoons, Saturday around noon? Uh, oh, I should say this is Mountain Time. I'm talking about Saturday nights, Mountain Time um is like not accessible in europe so I, I guess i want to know who's in europe who's attending right now 
any opinions on you guys like Saturdays? Yeah, I think Saturdays are good for me. And I'm also debating how many times I should do meetings like this. I'm thinking twice a month might be appropriate. And I'm thinking um, maybe uh, on an upcoming Friday night too. Um, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I hope you guys have a, have a wonderful weekend. And I, I love you guys. I love I love that, that I get to interact with people in this way. This is a new thing for me to to have a show where it's not all um, everybody's faces. And I'm glad it kind of worked out. Um, but I do want to do more meetings where I do see your face. And those will keep being posted on the Essential Works TV schedule page, essentialworks.tv slash schedule. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care.